0: Here's Pastor Scott. Verse 2. The Bible says, Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, What Have You Been Concentrating On Lately? Pray with me. God, thank you for giving us your word. God, thank you for giving us your spirit to teach us your word. And I pray that your spirit will be our teacher today from your book. Lord, I pray, God, that you would... Teach us what you'd have us to know. Increase our faith. Lord, I pray, God, that you would guide us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. What have you been concentrating on lately? Now, there's lots of cliches in America, and some of them are in the world, and some of them are true. Some of them are truer than others. Some of them help, and some of them just create bad information uh, one, one of the things that people say is you are what you eat. Anybody ever heard that before? Yeah. I don't see anybody that's a fried chicken in this room. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't see anybody that, that's a, a Whopper or a Big Mac in this room. But I want to just go ahead out there as, as a preacher who will bet you this one time, I bet you somebody in this room ate fried chicken, a Whopper, or a Big Mac at some point in their life. So some of these things are more figurative than literal, Uh, it's become popular in the last 40 years to tell people you are what you think you are. And there's some value to that, and there's some scriptural basis to that. But listen, you can think that you're seven foot five all you want to. Go drive to Orlando for an open basketball camp and just manifest. T- just tell yourself, manifest. Man, people walking around believing they're gonna manifest stuff by thinking it, by saying it. I am seven foot five. I am an NBA center. I am capable of blocking shots and dunking the basketball. You can do all that you want to do. You can re- go to Uh, conferences on it. You can read books on it. You can sleep to subliminal messaging tapes that tell you you're seven foot five. And when you wake up, I promise you this, you will not be seven foot five. Just doesn't work that way. See, if it did work that way, there would be no need for God There'll be no need for the Bible, and there'll be no need for Christianity. Everybody could just walk around and say, my bills are paid. There are churches that teach people to make that confession. When you wake up in the morning, just look in the mirror and say, my bills are paid. Let me tell you, you can say that all you want to, but until you send JEA some money, they will cut your lights off. Go ahead and try that power pause the confession with the repo man when he's hooking your car up to his tow truck. No, sir, I declare and I decree this vehicle is paid for. He's gonna declare and decree dust in the street as he drives away from you. So there's some there's some truth to some things, but some things are just raw foolishness. Some things are just we wish they were true. How awesome would it be if you could declare and decree. No more pain for everybody that you care about. But we have people doing this. Well, I mean, you you don't even have to look hard. You can YouTube declare and decree. And one of the most viral videos on declare and decree is this really sharp, young, about six year old kid uh, preaching. And it's his whole rant is, "I declare and I decree." And this kid declaring and decreeing, no 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 more death, no no more hungry people going to bed. Uh, no more sickness in the earth, uh, but yet there's still death-hungry people going to bed in sickness in the earth. Now, if that's your thing, if declaring and decreeing is your thing, then please explain to me after church how well it's working for you. Because the same people that teach this foolishness on television, on the radio, spend a large portion of their time begging for people like us to send them money. Why don't they just Manifest. Why don't they just believe it into existence? Why don't they just declare and decree it into existence instead of asking hard-working people to send them their money? So there is, in many ways, truth to some things that we hear. Listen, most bad information has some truth in it. My, I, I've told y'all for years, the, the, one of the largest elements to a good lie is it has to be believable. That's why when the devil came to Eve, he didn't tempt her with just out-and-out out foolishness. He mixed in some truth with it because it's that small element of truth that people cling to. Oh, it must be true because. Uh, well, you, you, it may be and it may not be, but there's truth in some things. Some things can be taken too far to squeeze the truth out of them. Listen, it is important how you think can anybody agree with that the bible says we have to take our thoughts captive to the obedience of christ it's important how you think but you're not going to think yourself into being seven foot five can we agree with that you're not going to think a million dollars in your bank account don't care what oprah and jim carrey says jim carrey said he manifested 10 million dollars into his bank account by believing it wrote himself a 10 million dollar check put it in his wallet kept it till the day that he got paid for that movie liar liar which i think is a funny uh connection altogether, uh, is where his manifested $10 million came from, was lying, but it doesn't matter what they say, that's not how it works. You can't just think about it and make it happen. All right, now, having given that disclaimer, it is important how you think. Say amen. It's important what you think about. How can I be sure that it's important what you think about? Because the Bible tells us, that it is important. And in our opening verse, Colossians 3, 2, it tells us to think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. Now, I am going to take a few verses of scripture this morning and I'm going to just read through them and pull out some truth for you because I want to load you up with some truth today. So I want you to have your thinking head on. I want you to be thinking with me as we go through this. First, I I don't want to be remiss and not mention what went on in Uh, across the nation yesterday. We had in a 24 hour period uh, from Ohio to El Paso, uh, 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 two mass shootings. And uh, of course they they garnered lots of news and I hope that you're praying. I've been praying for these cities, uh, for the victims of these uh, horrible attacks, for the families. Uh, I think most of us who have lived any length of time know the devastating effects that one lost life uh, takes on, on a family, on uh, friends, on community. These communities have been rocked and they've been hurt. I don't make light of that. I hope that you will pray about that. I shared with the deacons and elders in our prayer time, before our prayer time this morning, that the thing that boggles my mind about that uh, with le- less than uh, 40 people, being killed this weekend in these two mass shootings, they got around-the-clock coverage. You still turn on any news channel in the world or in America and get round the clock coverage. You can turn on uh, uh, liberal news, you can turn on conservative news, you can turn on any kind of news you want to, and these are getting round the clock coverage. What doesn't get talked about, and I've told you this before, it's not new information, but it remains true, uh, nobody's talking about the thousands of people that get killed every year in Chicago. It was horrible that those 30 people, 30 plus people, got killed yesterday. But that's not even an active weekend in Baltimore, Chicago. Uh, When, when on July 4th weekend every year for the last decade, over 50 people have been killed in Chicago just on July 4th. But does that make round-the-clock coverage? Are those lives less valuable? I was heartbroken when when I saw the, the the man who whose mother got shot in walmart that that's just a horrific concept you go to walmart with your family and and someone gets killed there and 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 that that that's heartbreaking and that pulls on our heartstrings and and they always want to talk about the two-year-old or the six-year-old or the eight-year-old that got shot but uh in in these killings but that happens every day In Chicago and in Baltimore. Baltimore has now passed Chicago as America's deadliest city. Uh, More overall killings in Chicago because they have the most people. But by percentage, Baltimore is the place you're most likely to get shot. But you won't get wall-to-wall coverage uh, on on the 60 people that got killed this week in Baltimore and Chicago. But you get wall-to-wall coverage on the 30 people that got killed in Ohio and in Texas. Why is that? See, I'm like Arsenio Hall sometimes. These are just things that make me go, hmm, my finger's not as long. (laughs) He'd have his hand down here. (sighs) I'm burdened by this. I really am. I I can't communicate my burden to other people, uh, but I just don't understand why America doesn't care about Chicago. I really don't. I, I, I can't understand. I, I, I know the reasons. I, I, you, don't, you don't have to email me the five reasons why. I, I've heard the talking points. I've, I've heard the rationale. None of it makes sense because whether a two-year-old gets shot in a Walmart or a 30-year-old gets shot uh, in downtown Baltimore, a life has been lost. But we make so much out of the one and so little out of the other. So if you're going to go on crusade, I said all that to say this and then i'll get back to the to to the to the text if you're going to go on a crusade against killing start with chicago and baltimore cuz these are the deadliest cities every day someone will get shot and killed during this service in either Baltimore or Chicago today. You're talking about cities that every hour to two hours, someone is getting shot and or killed in those cities. So this is not a guesstimate on my part. This is factual on my part. If you're going to go on a crusade, uh, uh, and, and if the church is... All these people want to talk about, let's all get together and pray for El Paso, Texas. And that's fantastic, and we should. And the victims of El Paso deserve our prayers. And listen, don't believe these lying politicians and these hateful anti-God commentators on news channels because it's becoming all too familiar refrain to hear them say, I'm sick of people praying for victims, let's do something about it. Well, that just tells me that you don't love God and you don't understand prayer. Okay, Because people need prayer more than they need uh, rally. People need prayer more than they need protest. People need prayer more, more than they need politicians and commentators on news channels. These lost people that don't love God enough to pray for anybody, they just don't understand the value when, when they talk about, I'm tired of these people sending their prayers to our city. Come, come and do something about it. Uh, if, if we really wanted to attack the, the murder rate, and, and stop lives being lost, it would just make sense. Listen, it, talk to a triage nurse. They ought to have a triage nurse go to Washington, D.C., and let people know how you fix a real problem. You don't focus on the stub toe when somebody is bleeding out of their jugular vein. You, you don't focus on the hangnail when somebody has a knife sticking out of their belly. Okay, You go to the big issue first, and the big issue in our country continues to be uh, the, the cities that I'm talking about. And I hope that you will pray for the victims in Ohio, for the victims in Texas. Uh, but I, I hope that if that becomes your burden, if you really feel burdened by that, uh, please don't ever forget these the cities um, that people have given up on. And and these are major cities in our country. These are cities where millions of people live. Uh, that, that nobody and here's here's the thing, and I try to teach my kids this constantly, and you do well to understand. My kids did nothing to be born in Jacksonville, Florida. Wasn't their choice. They, they they didn't they didn't ask me to bring them into life in Jacksonville, Florida. And the kids that are living on the west side and the south side of Chicago did not ask to be born there. So, so before you go li- living in your own level of privilege and you forget about people who were born into places that, that are killing zones, realize it's only, it's only by God's grace that you're here where you are and you're not there where they are. We've become so numb to the news. We've become so numb to what's going on. We've become so numb, uh, or we've become so outraged by the narrative driven by our favorite news channel. Everybody's got their who, who's to blame theory. Uh, I, had, I saw one preacher ask yesterday on social media uh, in exasperation, when will all this stop? And he had all his reasons why, and they were all whack, and they were all uh narrative driven by his favorite news channel and i wrote a long response to him but then deleted it because i didn't want the backlash and i didn't want the ongoing conversation uh to to just go into insanity has happened so many times listen you're not going to convince people in a post that their concepts are wrong but i had the right answer for him he his question when is this going to stop and why does this keep happening in our country let me tell you when when any of this is going to stop it, it's, it's going to stop when there are no more evil people in the world. That's the reality. We, we had something happen to us this week here uh, on, on this church, not on that level of magnitude, not on that level of evil, uh, but the same reasoning behind it. Sin and craziness uh, combines to get people to do bad things. For the first time in five years, we were burglarized here at the church this week. Um, I, I had people tell me, "Oh, you know, y'all gonna get broke into. You move in over there in Sweetwater." I said, "Well, I'm not technically sure that this is Sweetwater. Maybe, maybe not. For those of y'all who aren't from around here, you don't even get that context. Um, but I grew up around here. First time I ever got shot at was in Sweetwater, um, uh, on the, on the corner of Firestone uh, and Mark." Now, you, you got to love one of the most violent neighborhoods in Jacksonville having Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John run consecutively in their street level. The first place I ever got shot. Uh, so people told me, you move into that neighborhood, and, you know, and I told them, it, listen, it's going to be what it's going to be. You can get robbed in Connecticut just as easy as you can get robbed on Georgetown Drive. Uh, but pray for the people. Listen to how, how whack must you really be to break into a church. Now, there's lots of hateful people out there, and they say lots of horrible things about God as if God cannot repay them. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, man, you cross on a line, you start stealing stuff from churches. Um, so these people need prayer. Uh, <laughs> thank God they broke into our storage pod on the other side of the children's chapel. Cut the lock off, broke into that, um, but weren't able to get the door open so they didn't get anything out of it. (laughs) They broke into our white trailer that was right next to it. They were able to get that door open, uh, and they stole some stuff. We've been wondering where we was going to store for the last three years anyway. Um. So, I don't know that the joke is on them. The joke is not on them. It's a serious thing. I make light of it. But I ask you to pray. uh, Pray for God's peace and anointing to reside on this place. I believe the protection of God has kept us here uh, for five years, uh, relatively crime-free. One time we had a Christmas wreath taken off the door. One time we had some people coming through a window, set the alarm off and left. uh, And this time they broke into two. storage things they got one open they didn't get the other one open Um, but it goes to speak to the evil in in the human heart if you're going to go on a crusade go on a crusade of righteousness you're gonna go on a crusade. Go on a crusade of love. If you're gonna go on a crusade, go on a crusade of lifting up the name of Jesus. Because the cure for America will not be found in in the right wing or the left wing. The cure for America will not be found in political talking points. The cure for America will not be found on news channels, and it will not be worked out in the halls of academia. The cure for America is no different than the cure for Liberia. The cure for America is no different than the cure for India. The cure. For all of this tragedy, pain, pathos, suffering, and evil going on in the world is people's hearts and lives being transformed through the love of God. That's what is going to cause change. But the reality is it's so easy to focus on other people. It's so easy. Listen, this is the trick of the devil. And every person who spends time pointing fingers, well, look at those Christians. we'll look at those pastors. we'll look at those churches. we'll look at those cities. we'll, 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 we'll look at that group of people. Look at that group of people. we'll look at that color of people. Or we'll look at that color of people. Look at this political base or look at that political base. All that's going on there is the person engaged in that has been duped by the devil to not look in the mirror. You can't control large portions of people. You can't stop others from doing crazy. But the reality is the one person in this life that you have the biggest opportunity to put in check is yourself. But that's not fun because then we'd have to admit we got issues and, and people are are are. are, are they don't want to do that. They'd rather point fingers at what's wrong. Listen, these things make massive news. What about you? What if we put the worst episodes of your life on this screen right? Now? What if we just decided right now? Okay, here we go. We got the 15 worst things you ever did, Terry Carnes, on screen right now. <laughs> Wave it, everybody, Terry. They know who I'm talking about. Could have been anybody. Cheryl's like, I wonder if I don't know about all. I know about 13 of them. I didn't know 15, Pastor. What are we talking about here? What have I got myself into with this man? It would be horrific. People want to point the finger at everybody else on how bad everybody else is. Listen, we have got to let judgment begin, begin, as the Bible says, in the house of the Lord we got to get ourselves together and stop pointing fingers at the rest of the world. Let's get into the Scripture this morning. I want us to do a little Bible study together, uh, as time allows, through Colossians chapter 3. In verse 1, listen to the word of the Lord. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. So, because... The Bible teaches that Jesus has raised us, birthed us, given us new life. Since that has happened to you, here's the result of that happening to you. You should set your sights on the realities of heaven because that's where Jesus is. I want to read it to you in a different version. I read every verse of scripture that I read in a half dozen to a dozen different versions so I can get clarity, uh, uh, and, and depth of meaning, because sometimes different translations will uh, bring more expansion to the meaning of the words. It's no different than reading a dictionary. If you look up a word in the dictionary, there's going to be probably two to six different numbers, the first definition, the second read all of them. If you really want to know if you really want to get all the information, you got to read all the definitions that's that's the value of some of these different versions, but this is the first version of Bible that I ever read this verse in this is out of King James Version it says, "If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God now i I, I see in that version uh some form of a question being asked some but still the causative nature of what has happened to you should have a resulting nature in what you do if you have been risen with Christ I wonder don't answer out loud but think about it in your own mind have you really been risen with Christ has, has has have your hopes been risen have your dreams been risen has your soul your spirit been risen has, has your life been been given this new birth we call the born again experience because if it has some things ought to result from that happening in your life we who claim the name of Christ should be seeking those things which are above because that's where Jesus is a lot of people want to go to heaven to see mama a lot of people want to go to heaven to see their, sp- their dead spouse, granddaddy. uh What a family reunion we're going to have in heaven. I want to tell you this: all my people combined times a thousand can have whatever kind of reunion they think they want to have in heaven. You won't find me looking for nobody named Becker in heaven. I'll be looking for Jesus because that's why I want to go to heaven. There's nobody in heaven that I'm longing to see like Jesus. and. For those who are truly saved, there ought to be this passion to think about the big thing. Say big thing. You ought to think about the biggest thing that ever happened in your life. Now, for some of you, the biggest thing that ever happened in your life, you think, was graduating high school, graduating college, getting your first job, re- retiring, uh, getting getting your pension, uh, burning your Deed when you paid off your mortgage. If you're saved, none of the seeing the birth of your first or second or fifteenth child, uh, uh, the, walking down the aisle with your first, second or fifteenth spouse, uh, uh, what whatever you think these are big events in your life. None of these things should compare. If you ever truly got saved, let me tell you something. That's the big event. That's that's the big thing that has happened in your life, and it should cause some change in you say change listen, listen to what verse 2 says uh in 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 the new living translation says think about the things of heaven not the things of earth man if we could just do one thing if you could take one scripture if you could take one uh verse to apply to your life start with this think about the things of heaven not the things of earth. Now, if you look in the original language, this verse was originally written in Greek, as was most of the New Testament, Uh, the the think about is in a continuous tense. These are things that you constantly are thinking about. These are things that stay in your mind, not, not, oh, I thought about Uncle Bill last week. Okay, well, you thought about Uncle Bill last week. That, that, that intimates to me you hadn't thought about him in a long time. He popped into your mind and popped out. It's not talking about that type of thinking. It's talking about more than that. In, in, in a different version, it says, Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. There ought to be a mindset in every believer that causes them to think about heaven all the time. There ought to be a mindset in the If something has happened to you in, in, in your spirit, if your life has been brought alive in Christ, you ought to have some continual thoughts about that. Here's the reality. You think about what you love. That, that, that's why the apostle said, if you've really been risen with Christ, you ought to set your affection on things that are above. Now... I see it a lot. I'm getting phone calls about it. I got friends hitting me up about it. Listen, no, I'm not playing fantasy football with you this year. Please, don't email me about that. I don't play fantasy football. Um, I, I, I got more on my plate than studying every statistical category for every running back, receiver, tight end, defense, kicker, and quarterback in the NFL. But there are a lot of people, they're pumped up, Whoa, NFL's back, they got preseason games on TV now, everybody, people getting fired up thinking about their team. Listen, the one thing that stands out funny to me, doesn't matter if it's baseball, football, doesn't matter if it's basketball, if, if it's, if it's uh, pee wee midget league, doesn't matter where it is, before every season starts, hope springs eternal for every team, losers and winners. Hey, listen, I grew up here. I grew up on the west side of Jacksonville, which dictates that you've got to be a Florida Gator fan. You didn't grow up on the west side of Jacksonville and be a Seminole fan. It just didn't happen like that, Central Florida people. It, uh, and why, did you, why, why didn't you grow up pulling for some Orlando team? I mean, you had to reach all the way into Tallahassee for, for, for that. But growing up here, listening, living through windless seasons... Okay, living through time when Florida was just a whipping post for Georgia, living, growing up in that day and age, Flor- I, I was very familiar with the Florida Gator motto, which was "Wait till next year." Do you, that, that's the battle cry for every loser in the world. We'll get hey Chicago Cubs say that every season. Home springs eternal, in Chicago this is our year now you know this new little little team that sprung up downtown jacksonville the jaguars that's that's how you say that word uh not jagwire uh but the jaguars um every year this is our year we got the best defense you had the best defense last year you didn't do nothing with it oh but we got so-and-so's backup quarterback who couldn't start for the team we took him from. This is going to be our year. The hope that springs eternal. Listen, uh, uh, Elder Keon got his head ducked down right now. The Knicks have finally given up. The Knicks. Now, he's like, no, we haven't. Wish, there is hope. Hope in the Bronx. There is hope in, 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 in New York. The Big Apple will rise again. Um, every year before people love to think something awesome is going to happen for their team. Listen, you ought to wake up every day thinking that way in Christ. You, you, you ought, God ought to be bigger to you than sports. God ought to be bigger to you than politics. God ought to be bigger to you than your race. God ought to be bigger to you than your checkbook, your education, your bill structure. God ought to be, the the reality of heaven ought to be bigger to you than your bills sitting on your table. We think about a lot of things, and I'm not saying that you're not going to. You're going to think about different things. You're going to think about bills. You're going to think about life and and, and family and, and the world and all these different things. But when it comes time for that thing that you're always thinking about, it ought to rotate to God. When it comes time to what you really set your affection on, it ought to be heaven. There ought to be an overwhelming theme in your mind that says, yeah, but one day I'm going to heaven. If you know one day you're going to heaven, everything else fades to obscurity. If you know that one day, uh, what did the hymn writer say? The things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. When, when you consider eternity, uh, every event that you can imagine will be minimal. I've heard people say, oh, well, so-and-so is just so heavenly-minded, they're of no earthly good. Listen, you, you can sum that person up with one word, hater. There's never been anyone that lived that was too heavenly minded. That's just the voice of a hater who doesn't think about heaven enough. That's that's that same type of hater that that talks about those holier-than-thou people. And just remember what I tell them. If somebody tells me, oh, well, sister so-and-so, she's just holier-than-thou. I just tell them point blank to their face, you're just mad that she's holier than you." Get a drink on that. because the truth's the truth anyhow. It's too easy to think about things that have no eternal consequence. It's too easy to get caught up concentrating on the, the temporary when all of God's word continues to push us back to concentrate on what's eternal. I haven't lived through it yet, and I don't look forward to living through it uh, I hope that it doesn't happen to me the way it's happened. And, and I, I have this conversation often with, with Pastor Gene Dillon and with my sister. Uh, I talk about these parents that are so much better parents than me and people who are so much better people than me, yet uh, uh, talking about people all across the country that I know uh, who love the Lord and live for God, and their kids put them through hell. They raised these kids to be uh, good, godly, decent, Jesus-loving kids, and, and they went off the frame. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I haven't lived through that yet. Uh, uh. Pray for me. I got some temporary remedies for most of that, but once they get out of my house, them remedies kind of go with it. Um, And, and I... I see people who kids are putting them through struggles and they're, they're, they're distraught. And that's understandable. That's understandable. You, you want your kids to love God. You want your kids to make heaven. Listen, if you have spoken truth into the lives of these children or to the life of your wayward spouse, Unsaved loved one, if you have spoken truth, you got to know that that truth. The Bible says God's word will not return unto him void, but will accomplish what he sets it out to do. The Scripture declares if you raise up a child in the way they should go when they're old, they won't depart from it. Now I haven't been there yet, so it's easier for me to say now because both my children are in church right now. But I, I want to give you hope, uh, way people Christian with wayward family members with family members that aren't uh, living their lives for God it really listen it matters for today but in the long run as long as they get saved before they take their last breath this is what I am believing. my children as long as they get it right before the end is over I'm gonna be okay amen because the big thing is the big thing now if I had some, some sodium pentothal, and I could just slam y'all up with some sodium pentothal, some truth serum, and make everybody tell the truth. And I walked around, and I just asked, started with Deacon West, worked all the way uh, around the back to Stacy, and said, "Which, what is the big thing in your concentration right now? What's that thing that's taking up the majority of, of your, your prefrontal lobe? What, what are you thinking about? More than anything else right now, I wonder where your big thing would come in. Sadly, for too many people, it's sports, it's money, it's career, it's education. Not that some of these things aren't important, but they're not the big thing. The big thing is eternity. The one thing you don't want to be wrong about in life is eternity. So we've got to concentrate, say concentrate, we've got to concentrate on things above listen to what verse 3 says for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with christ in god now when you read you should pay attention to what pay attention to the punctuation it will help your understanding for you died to this life comma that's calls for pause think about this now the book of colossians is written to believers This is a word to Christians. When it said, for you died to this life, it's talking to people who not just think that they're saved, but are truly born again. For you died to this life. That's the condition of every real Christian every real christian died to this life that's why we get baptized by immersion because it's a visual illustration on the outside of a spiritual truth that's happened on the inside we go down into the water the bible says that we're buried with him in baptism unto death and raised to walk in newness of life when you get saved you died to the old life That's why you shouldn't let your past haunt you. That's why you shouldn't let your brother, your sister, your mother, your cousin, your spouse, your ex, your friends tell you. I've had people tell me, oh, uh, so-and-so, they're still playing that Jesus role up in your church. Yeah, well, I know them. And and what what I hope they're saying is they have known them. They, They knew the old them, and they give no credibility to the new them. And the old you could have been three seconds ago. But if you're truly saved, your old life has been crucified. The, 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 the apostle said in Galatians chapter 2, uh, verse 20, that we have been crucified with Christ. When our sins hung on him, that was cut off. And it goes on to tell us here in verse 3, your real life is hidden with God in Christ. So there's two two times in this verse, and I want you to study with me like we're in Wednesday night Bible study today. There's two times in this verse on the screen that the word life is used. Each time there's a different word that precedes the word life. what's, What's the first preceding word? This life. This life. So there is this life. Say this life. Now, the next time, life, in the middle of the screen, there's a word in front of it. What's the word in front of that? Real life. Say real life. So there's a this life and a real life. There's a this life that we're living now that is temporary, that we supposedly have died to. Spiritually, that truth exists for every real Christian, and there's a real life. So here's my question to you this morning. Do you spend more time thinking about this life or real life? This life or real life? Let me me, me help you out a little bit. Your bills only exist on one dimension. This life. They don't, hey, that ought to make somebody happy right now. I talked to one person. I was trying to teach them how how to get out of debt. They said, preacher, I want to die with everybody. I said, well, that's not good long-term strategy, but I do get your vindictive nature. I do understand. Uh, I, I've heard people say, it, I, I don't care how much debt I get into because I ain't taking it with me. Uh, and the same exists on the other side. doesn't matter how much money you stack up, you're not taking that with you either. What do you concentrate more on, this life or real life? Because these two things contrast, they contrast. They're different. There, there is a this life that you should have cut off. That spiritually you died to. The reality is we try to wake up to it every day too many times. The reality is the things that we've been cut off from and died to, we regather and we re-embrace and we surround ourselves with the trappings of this life. When in reality, the Bible says that you're real life. That thing that you really are. And this is why there should be no racism in the body of Christ. This, this is one of the reasons why there should be no racism in the body of Christ. Because what you see here... It's not the real me. I'm not fat on the inside. How about that? Yeah, go ahead. Hey, all you dieting people, just realize, hey, I'm focusing on real life. I ain't fat on the inside. I, I, hey, listen. Here, here this. Some, of the, some of y'all are going to disagree with this. I'm not even white on the inside. Let me just be equal opportunity though, because I believe everybody ought to have a good EEOC. Uh, uh, officer in their organization you're not even really black on the inside what people see on the outside the things that they see about us the things that we see about ourselves on the outside that we get upset with aren't even real when it comes to eternity that's not who you really are you're not there are people walking around mad because uh they're too short I'm going to look on this side of the room because I don't want to offend uh, in, 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 in any of these people. I was so shocked when you said you had them heels on last week. Uh, when I was like, oh, if you put on heels, you'd be that tall too. And, and, and then I'm like, oh, she got on heels. Let me keep, I'm not calling no names because y'all don't look back there. Um, there are, people. listen, tall people that walk around like this. Bad posture, slumping because they feel bad about being tall. Man, rise up! Short. Now you ne- you never see in, in any grown man five foot six or shorter. You ain't gonna see bad posture on that dude. He's walking on his toes everywhere he goes. People putting on fade cream, trying to lighten up their skin. People going to tanning beds and put putting on orange. Fake cream to, 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 listen, all these people talk. oh, I found a new bronzer. It, 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 it doesn't give you that orange. Yeah, it does. You, you, you get the different lights in your bathroom. We see through that. Anything that tells you wash your hands after you use it so the webs in your fingers and the nails don't turn orange, you shouldn't be putting on your face, white people white people trying to bronze up, uh, blue-black people trying to fade down. If you don't know, ask somebody, midnight, whatever you want to go with. So I got a real education at James Weldon Johnson on Kings Road, downtown Jacksonville. When I got bust into the hood, uh, that's where it all started. We can take it all the way right back to James Weldon Johnson, Listen, back then, I don't even know what it is now. James Weldon Johnson, 7th grade center. Anybody else go to James Weldon Johnson, 7th grade center? All right, not a lot. Okay, some some local people. I'll rest y'all transplants. Y'all count too. People work so hard and focus so hard on changing what is temporary by nature anyway. I'm not saying... You know, that, that you, you shouldn't care at all. Everybody's not going to be like me. Everybody's not going to make peace with their fat and be happy. I get that. Listen, if I get up over 230, I'm going to back it down, though. I've, I've made that in my mind. I'm pushing that right now, and it's the biggest I've ever been. Uh, I don't, don't want to set new goals uh, in that direction. <laughs> but some people, concent- listen, if some people concentrated half as much on their spirituality as they concentrate on their weight, If some people concentrated half as much on their spirituality as they concentrate on their money, mm, then we'd be falling in line. That, that, That this life is not as important. I'm not saying it's not important because we got to be good stewards of this life. That word steward means manager. For a Christian, these lives aren't even our own. We're just They've been given to us by God, and we manage them for Him. We have to be good managers of everything that God has given us, but the big picture is heaven. Can you agree with that? Let's keep looking. In verse 4, the Bible says, And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory now here's this word again we, we we saw that word life twice in the last verse here it comes again in this verse and i love in literature where something is offset by commas and we see something in here offset by commas it starts verse 4 starts with and when christ comma who is your life comma this is telling us something very key This is telling us something very specific. This is telling us something that God doesn't want us to miss. According to Colossians chapter 4, for the believer, who is your life? Christ is your life. That's the big picture. If you haven't caught on through the first three verses, the big picture for the believer, whether you're one of these who are focusing on this life or you're focusing on real life, the reality remains for every Christian, Christ is our life. If you don't get that, you haven't really gotten salvation yet. And this is why so many people come to church for so many years and never really find joy because they never found Christ. They found religion. They found turn over a new leaf. They found try to do a little better. They tried uh, adding some Bible reading and trying to say some praying in their life. They tried to learn some words to some Christian songs. But Christ never became their life. Until he's in you and bigger than you, you're not saved. So this is the life of a real Christian, not just a church-going person. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Uh, it, a different translation says you appear with him in all his glory uh, when he appears. That's, that's the bigger reality. We're not looking, real Christians aren't looking for glory. They're looking to be beside Christ in His glory. That's a different message for a different time. Let me get to verse 5. It says, so put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you, period. Pay attention to the punctuation. That's the end of a sentence. It deserves to be set off aside, thought about, dissected, phrase by phrase, and applied to your life. The Word of God says, so put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. You. Now, I've already told you, and let's see if you were listening. The book of Colossians was written to what type of people? Christians. This book was written specifically to people who are born-again, not just church-going people, not just good people, to true born-again Christians, and the Word of God is telling them to put to death sinful earthly things lurking within you. So, here's The truth for you, Mr. and Mrs. Christian, you got sinful, earthly things on the inside of you. Oh, not me. I'm saved, sanctified, fire baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. I speak in tongues. Well, good for you. Do do you speak to your neighbor? Y'all missed that. I'm tired of hearing people tell me they speak in tongues when, when they don't speak to the people that sit next to them in church. Different message for a different time. But it doesn't matter how saved and sanctimonious you are. Everybody who's still breathing air on this planet has sinful things lurking on the inside. So that's kind of good news for lost people. You ain't evil all by yourself. You're just going to hell, and the saved people are going to heaven. So, I mean, there's bad news in it still. But everyone has evil within. I hope you can see that plainly in the Scripture. So it tells us to put to death. Well, it says we've already died. What did I tell you? We keep regathering these things to ourselves. We keep trying to bring back the old instead of the new. We keep gravitating, backsliding, To things that we said are no longer part of our life. So God had to come and tell his children, put these things to death. Now, I wish I could tell you that this was a one-time process, but it is not. What if you could put together, what if you could put to death all the sin that you've ever committed and it just be done forever? That'd be cool. And for different people, that's different things. Different people have different struggles, but these things continue to come around. So even as we look the other day at being a living sacrifice, that's something that we have to continually be offering to God, there's this continually having to put to death anything that raises up in the life of a believer that is not Christ. It goes on to get really specific. I love lists. I love statistics, I love reference, I love charts, graphs, um, and I, I see these lists in the Bible, I break them down, I look at them, because I know God didn't just put all this information in there for us to gloss over, okay? We need to understand this, so let's, let's deepen our understanding, because God said what all you're getting, get understanding. He said you got to put these things to death. They're, they're, they're sinful things that are on the inside of you. And then he breaks it down. He says, have nothing to do with sexual immorality. That's one. Say one. That is harder for some people than for others. Uh, Your main deal might be on this list. Your main deal might not be on this list. But I'm going to tell you something. There are very few things in life that will get you in trouble quicker than sexual immorality. Think about the number of lives that have been ruined through sexual immorality. Think about the number of lives that have been complicated through sexual immorality. I want you, I need a couple Bible geniuses in the room real quick. Look on the screen. I'll read it for you. Then I want you to give me the answer. It says, have nothing to do with sexual immorality. How much should the real Christian have to do with sexual immorality? Now, do you think God would have put this in here, writing this to Christians, if Christians weren't struggling with this? No, the very reason that he put it in here tells me that this is something that Christians struggle with. This is something that Christians have issue with. This is something that Christians need to put effort towards chopping off, cutting off, putting out of your life. But it goes beyond sexual immorality. You say, well, I ain't that sexual. Well, the fact that you got low testosterone, sir, that's a medical condition uh, that, that just, you know. Uh, explains a lot Uh, the the fact that you ain't that sexual ma'am is an emotional condition of hate and bitterness and that explains a lot Um, but it doesn't uh, exempt you from this list you you might just have a a low capacity in that area based on some psychological or some chemistry issues uh, but that's not the only thing on the list it goes on to say impurity now impurity could be applied sexually, but it also is applied morally. It could be applied to a large number of things. Impure is anything that's not pure. Anything in your life that's not pure, that could be your thoughts, your words, your deeds, your actions. That could be sins of commission, things that you do. Sins of omission, things that you don't do. But it keeps going because God's equal opportunity as well. He's going to find you eventually. Uh, Lust. Now, this has got a comma behind it, so it's cause for pause. you got to think about it. There is more than one kind of thing you can lust for. And that's why in the Ten Commandments, when God said, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't murder, don't have any gods before, he put all that list there, and and then he put the catch-all in the end of any of it, and he said, don't even want to do any of those things and don't want what other people have. Say, so you can say, well, I never killed anybody. Did you want to? <laughs> Live long enough. I know your answer to that. Uh, the, this lust is a desire that lurks inside us for wrong wanting to do something that is wrong. Now, that would be so cool. If I could snap my fingers like Thanos and just rid not kill half, y'all, but that's a movie, but if I could just wave a magic wand and take all lust out of every believer, that would be fantastic because then there would be nothing pulling you to the dark side anymore. But that lust lurks in you. That lust to do wrong lurks in everyone, saved and unsaved. For the Christian, God has given us the power to overcome that and to put that to death. The non-Christian has no no ability to win that fight. They're always going to lose that fight. You can win the fight against these things if you're saved. Not just lust, and here's the catch-all for you. Evil desires. There's the whole picture right there. If you're like, mm, I don't mess around sexually. I don't even like sex that much. I already told you that's a chemical problem or an emotional problem. Uh, if, if you say, well, I'm not impure. I'm, I'm a very pure person, and I don't lust for anything. All right, well, you know, phony liar. Don't really admit things about yourself that are true. It'll just grab you with this one. And that word and always means there's more. If you didn't feel like one of these other ones, clicked your hot topic, then evil desires. That is the whole shooting match. There's a desire in you to do something that does not line up with God's word. He goes on, though, no, wasn't enough, got to keep going. Listen, here's a list. This, this is why it blows me away, and I understand. The, the unbeliever is always going to say the number one reason they don't go to church because all of them what? Hypocrites. Hypocrites. That's what they say. I don't get too many hypocrites down there at that church. I don't go to church. Too many hypocrites down there at that church. You go to Walmart. Hypocrites there. You go to Publix, Food Line, Winn-Dixie. You go to Target. Listen, if you don't go to any of those places, you go into your bathroom and look in the mirror, there's a hypocrite there too. The Bible says everyone's a hypocrite. At some point, we all say one thing and do another. But here the, the scripture uh, tells, t- gives us all these different lists, and it continues on. And the crazy thing is this is a list of Christians. Let me, let me just go ahead and break Christian down for you. They are people who struggle with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Well, that ought to take away the lost person saying, there's too many hypocrites down there at that church. That's like getting a gunshot wound to the chest and saying, don't take me to the hospital. There's too many sick people down there. No, 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 don't, don't don't take me. Don't, don't put me on that surgical floor. There's there, there too much blood oh, 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 being spilled over there. If, if that's what you need, don't worry about what everybody else is going through. Get what you need. You need what God is doing in your life. Uh, You need to be in church, surrounded by the people of God, refocusing yourself on the things of God. He goes on to say, and still talking to Christians, don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater. An idolater is someone who sets up idols. Now, for the most part, we don't have... I hope you don't have tiki dolls and totem poles in your home. I hope you don't have statues and figurines that you bow down to, that you set up as as physical idols. Some people think because they don't do that, they don't have idols. An idol is anything that you love in life more than God. An idol could be your marriage. An idol could be your children. An idol could be your career. An idol could be sports or fame or whatever you put in there that you love, and it's always centered on your greed. Why, why do you think, other than bad judgment, why do you think Deacon West loves the Florida State Seminoles? <laughs> so I know it don't make sense. I'm just trying to make a point. Same reason you love your team. Because in your mind, you think that that benefits you when they do well. It makes you feel good when they do well. There's a personal satisfaction connected. Why, why do you think some of you love music so much? There's a greed factor there. Why do some people love business so much? There's a greed factor there. Why do some people love children so much? Because they ain't honest about them. I mean, because <laughs> there, there's a greed factor there. Listen, I, hey, here's a little free psychology for you. I told you I'm equal opportunity today. I ain't, some, some people ain't even been hit yet. I'll hit you with this. There is in the life of certain women. Now, certain women are just like, I'm done with kids. Tie me off. Cut me out. I'm finished. I don't need no more of them. But there is in that. And, and some of y'all know people like this, and some of y'all be people like this. I just want to have another baby so, so, I can have, I, I, so I can have my cuddle bear. Why did you want another baby? So you could have your cuddle bear. See how quiet it got right there? That's how people feel about truth. Let's let's just keep moving. Now, I'm not saying you have children to be greedy. Children are a gift from God. Uh, But there, there are ways, the reason why we long for things that God doesn't desire for us, or even sometimes things that are good for us, the reason why we long for those more than for being with God is because they give us a feel good. Nothing wrong with feeling good. But make sure what's making you feel good is never put before God, because then it becomes an idol in your life. And it goes on to say, worshiping the things of this world. Now, this is just wild to me. Uh, if, If I was hearing this for the first time, I would be blown back. If I was an unsaved person reading this, I'd be like, that's why I don't mess around with church folk. Why? Because they're a bunch of sexually immoral, impure, lusting folk with evil desires. They're greedy, they're idolaters, and they worship the things of this world. Are those statements true about Christians? Yes, they can be, but we are supposed to do what it says in the first part. We're supposed to put these things to death. We're supposed to disconnect from these things. We're supposed to recognize these things and say, that is no longer the life that I choose. Look, look at verse 6. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Ouch. You know, when you can't say amen, you can at least say ouch. Ouch. Um, God's judgment is sure. That If you have a good dad, that punishment is coming people. Listen, you know some of y'all were raised by good mamas and daddies, and they told you that kitchen better be clean before I get home. Now, even if you was a lazy, raggedy kid, even if you was a, a rebellious, no-good, like I was growing up before Christ, um, and you hadn't done it, as that clock starts ticking closer to 3.30, She's going to be home soon to get on that kitchen. But then your raggedness and your laziness and your rebellious thought, ah, I'll get it. When you hear that car door slam, you start rushing in there trying to clean up the kitchen, is that because you're a good child that loves mama? No, that's a good child because you know that anger is coming. That shoe's about to drop on your head. People that have no fear of repercussion from God don't really know God well. God has proven His willingness to chastise His children over and over and over again consistently. And you need to understand, uh, God is serious about us doing what He has told us to do. And He's talking to Christians. Don't don't think of this as wrath and hell. Think of this as discipline from God a loving father because verse 7 says you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world see it was talking to Christians before the the anger of god coming and it's still talking to Christians you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world there's some things inferred in this verse that you need to understand but if you're saved your your life used to be part of this world but it's not designed to be part of that anymore the things that you used to do you're not supposed to still be doing Child of God. Verse 8 says, but now is the time to get rid of. Now we got another list. I love lists. It says, get rid of these things. Anger. Mm. That, That might not hit you. Listen, everybody don't have the same issues, but everybody has issues. Some people don't struggle with anger. Some people are oblivious to anger. Some people just happy all the time. Some people are mourning people. All the morning people fired up right now. Listen, morning people. The Bible says that even a greeting given loudly in the morning will be received as a curse. But throttle back your morningness around normal folk, okay? Just saying. Lest you rise up some anger. I'm just saying. Everybody don't deal with all these things, but everybody deals with something. You might not deal with anger. Then there's rage. You might not deal with rage, but then there's malicious behavior. That means hateful, mean, nasty, and cruel. That's racism uh, uh, intimated there by cruel to others. Um, So there's, it goes on, slander. Some of y'all can't keep your mouth off, folk. Some of y'all just love to tell it. Some of y'all like the comedian that says, you know, I don't repeat myself, so hear me good the first time. And then you still say it over and over again um, and dirty language. I've heard people say, nowhere in the Bible does it say I can't cuss. Sure it does. It says it right there. It also says it in Ephesians 4.29. If you need more references, get with me after church. Uh, there, there is no room in the mouth of the believer for foul language, dirty language. If you can't express yourself without profanity, buy a dictionary or get a free one online or read more Bible. The Bible will give you ways to express yourself without profanity. Uh, These are things that we are supposed to put to death in the life of the believer. Listen, we got work to do. Are you seeing it? We got work to do to deal with these things. Now, you can sit back and say, oh, well, I'm not that kind of a person. Uh, That just means you're not willing to be honest and deal with your issue. And until you get honest and deal with your issue, then you're not going to be able to put that issue to death and you're not going to be able to be the man, the woman, the young person God has called you to be. Verse 9 says, don't lie to each other. Talking to Christians, this is just great. Uh, Don't lie to each other, saved folk, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. This is the reality of the saved condition. The saved person has been stripped of their sinful nature and all of the wickedness in them has been killed off, but it can be regathered. It can be thought about. It can be concentrated on. It can be gravitated toward, but it doesn't have to be. Verse 10 can be your solution. Verse 10 says, put on your new nature, comma. If you're saved, you have a new nature. You used to be just those things. Listen, here's the sad news. You're still some of those things, even though you're not supposed to be. You used to be just those things, but when you get saved, you get new stuff. Anybody ever got new stuff? Anybody ever got a new attitude? Anybody ever got a new desire? Anybody ever got a new direction? Anybody ever got a new agenda? Anybody ever got a new mindset? This is real Christianity. Real Christians get a new nature, but you have to put it on. Nobody in this room right now is wearing a hoodie. I I got three hoodies. I got two hoodies in my trunk. Uh, Now, that sounds criminal, but it's not. um, I don't have to go to the trunk. That's in case, you know, it, it gets cold somewhere where I am. But no one in this room has on a hoodie, but lots of us own hoodies. No one in this room has on their winter coat, but some of you own winter coats you call transplants uh, and people that visit up north. So, some of you, listen, you can't even buy a good winter coat. I went to Pennsylvania one time. I saw what real winter coats looked like. I thought, holy cow, removable liners, multiple layers of different liners on here that can be buttoned in and zipped out. You don't find that in Florida. Go go find me that in Walmart in Jacksonville. They don't make it like that. Uh, But some of you have winter coats. Nobody's wearing one today. Why? Because you didn't put it on. So the question, and I'm done with this. Get this. You have to put on this newness. The same way you put on a winter coat. The same way you put your shirt on, your socks on, your shoes on, it takes effort, it takes intention, it takes knowledge. you You got to figure out when you're standing there. Ladies, I know sometimes you get tricked here, but you got to figure out what you're going to put on before you put it on. You have to make a determined effort, Christian, to say, you know what I, I I got some of these things that are still in me that, 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 that this word says I got to die to. I got to cut them off. So the remedy is to put on your new nature and be renewed. Listen, as you learn to know your creator and become like him, these are the two things that you need to concentrate on so these other things won't rise up in you and destroy your testimony in your life. You need to concentrate on knowing your creator and becoming more like him. How much time do you spend learning to know your Creator? How much time do you give in a given day to knowing your creator and becoming like him? Because this is the remedy for all these issues that rise up in us. This is the remedy, not strong will, not willpower, not saying I won't do those things ever again, not saying I'm throwing those away for the last time, not saying I'm quitting this for the last time, but spending time learning to know God. This takes time. This takes discipline. This takes effort. This takes intention, not just learning to know him, but to become like him. Every father, I don't know about moms, To never been one, ain't going to be one. Don't Don't have the right equipment for that to happen, even if I had the right years for it to happen. But every daddy wants his child to look like him. Every father, go ahead and tell, tell a dad, boy, well, your son looks just like you. Yes, he does. All them liars say he looks like his mama, but I know. Look like me. Your heavenly father expects you to look like him. Whether you look more like your mom or dad in the natural is not the point. The point is you are created to look like the one who gave you life. There ought to be some resemblance to God in you. That can't happen when all these evil things are just running ragged in our lives. We don't look like our Father when when we're filled with all these issues we saw on these lists. We We don't resemble Him. We don't reflect Him. We don't give a true representation to the world of what our great God looks like when we allow all this old way to still be alive in us that's why we have to die off to that that's why we have to put on our new nature that's why we have to put on the mind of Christ that's why we have to put on the armor of God that's why we have to put on our our new thoughts our new language, our new concepts so we can learn more about how to know God and more more about how to become like Him last verse I'm going to read, verse 11 says in this new life He's still talking about these life, your old life, your new life, Your, 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 your temporary life, your eternal life. Which one are you focused more on? If we'd be honest, we'd all have to admit that many times, if not all the time, we focus more on the current situation than the eternal situation. But it says in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters. And He lives in all of us, talking to Christians. This verse right here will change you if you let it. If you're saved, it doesn't matter if you're American or Asian, Hispanic or white, black, Indian. It doesn't matter your physical condition. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your physical condition. It doesn't matter your economic position. What matters? Christ is all that matters. Christ is all that matters. This country is hell-bent on Dividing by race, by political affiliation, by economic situation, by the color of skin on a person's body. This country is determined to divide so it can conquer. United, we are strong as the body of Christ. Divided, we are powerless. They can put the Tea Party together in Congress and fight for their beliefs they can put the black caucus together in Congress to fight for their beliefs we now have a, a, a Muslim contingent that is fighting for their beliefs how crazed would Congress be if all the Christians in Congress said, you know what, I'm laying down my Republican, I'm laying down my Democrat, I'm laying down my left and my right wing, I'm laying down my political situation, and we are going to form together the largest voting block that this country has ever known, that's Christian. But see, we honestly don't believe the Bible. Say, folk, we don't really believe Christ at all matters. Oh, well, how you vote matters too. Christ is all that matters vote for Christ you want to be a voter vote for Christ you want to be a protester protest for Christ you want to, you want to be an advocate for change and be an advocate for change for Christ because that matters more than all this other stuff combined I want to tell you something if these other things matter more to you than Jesus does you need to fix that if you're more white than you are Christian you better fix that If you're more black than you are Christian, you better fix that. If you're more Hispanic than you are Christian, you better fix that. Because the Bible says Christ is all that matters and he lives inside of his children. The only hope for this world is for God's people to carry God out into the world, for you to take God to your job, for you to take God back to your school, for you to take God into your community. Because it won't be new gun laws to change the hearts of evil people. It won't be more compassionate laws to change the hearts of racists. It won't be any law to change the hearts of bad things. It will be when Christians decide enough is enough. I'm going to stop focusing on all this other stuff and I'm going to let the big thing be the big thing and the big thing is Jesus because in the light of eternity the only thing that really matters is Jesus Christ and do you know him and are you going to heaven when you die? God is not going to ask you who you voted for for president. That ain't part of how you get into heaven. It's not going to matter how much of your ancestral issues you held on to in heaven. What's going to matter is are you related to the God of heaven? Do you know for sure that you're saved? If you don't know for sure that you're saved today, you ought to ask God to save you. It doesn't matter if you've asked Him one time or a thousand times. If you don't know, the Bible says, These things have been written unto you that you might know that you have eternal life. Real Christians are sure that they're real Christians. Hallelujah. Real Christians know that. And they're knower deep on the inside. You might be filled with problems, but you better know that in spite of all your problems, there's God in you. There's God in you that gives you hope. There's God in you that gives you breath for a better day today. And when you realize that Christ is all that matters, it frees you from these other things. It frees you from greed. It frees you from lust. It frees you from anger. It frees you from rage. It frees you from bad desires and bad behavior. So if you're saved, start living it. Take your salvation. Take the God in you to your family. The world doesn't need our opinion. They, they, they don't need us to educate them on better ways. They need the God in us to change them from the inside out. Because change that starts on the outside can be reverted back to what you used to be change that starts on the inside is lasting i hope you let god change you on the inside pray with me god thank you for your word god you said that christ is all that matters please let that be the reality in my life and in the life of your children help us to focus more on you help us to set our affection on things that are above help us to be more heavenly minded than bogged down by the issues of this life god i pray that you would give us eternal Vision, Give us wisdom to think about the things that are eternal more than we think about the things that are temporary. God, I pray for every Christian in this room today. God, that you would let us put to death the evil that lurks in us and come fully alive to your spirit. God, I pray for every lost person in this room, Lord, that you would let them truly be saved. Give them awareness of your love and draw them to you. Is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.